You are now listening to Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gap. Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims and killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them. And that he was also a necrophiliac. <laughs> Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of the Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Mack, along with and Todd Fox, will be narrating for us today. (laughs) (laughs) But before we get into this, uh, we want to let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just type in Grinding True Crime Podcast, and there you can find our page, like our page, leave a comment on our page. And one of us will get back to you as soon as possible. If you want to listen to us on our podcast stream, you can just go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, Podvine, and Zencaster. As well as those who are outside of the U.S. continue to listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. For those who like what you hear and want to uh, be one of our Patreons, uh, you can uh, do so by going exclusively on our Podbean and be an uh, official Patreon member. Shout out to you, kid, for uh, pledging. Uh, thank you very much. And for those who do become a Patreon member, we do give shout outs. So, and also one day we'll be uh, purchasing uh, T-shirts for those as well. Listeners' discretion is advised. We do get into details that can be graphic for a certain audience. So, listeners' discretion is advised. And also want to announce that. Uh, this Sunday will not be the live due to our scheduling, but we are planning to do it next Sunday, and the time will be announced. So, not- into the story, uh, we're gonna go to the beautiful state of Texas. Get out of Texas! I've Get yet Texas. to go to Texas. It's beautiful out there. You should go. You gotta go, except uh, El Paso. Don't go there. Don't don't be so disrespectful. <laughs> he might and be he, bright, but dang it, don't be. <laughs> Just kidding. Um. Tonight's story is going to take place place in Texarkana, Texas, which is uh, in Bowie uh, County, Texas. And uh, according to the population pre-COVID, it was uh, 36,000 people. But with combined uh, the population with Miller County, Arkansas, the two cities combined for a population of just under 150,000 people. Mm. So, So it's a relatively big area um texarkana is literally the most northeastern uh tip of texas uh it borders arkansas so that's why the name is called texarkana uh it was uh literally some guy going uh hey there's two uh places close together texas and arkansas let's call it texarkana and that's how it came to be (laughs) That's not what really happened, man. Why you gotta be so disrespectful? No, not really. That's not. What You're gonna have Ozark write another comment again. <laughs> Screw you, Ozark. Uh, no, but... Oh God! <laughs> Can we not? Okay, okay, okay. I'll leave it alone. Leave it alone. Uh, <laughs> so, 
the the weather's real funky over there too. Um, it can get as high as 112 degrees or 47 um, uh, degrees Celsius, and the lowest temperature ever was minus 21 degrees uh, Celsius. Uh, so damn, that's crazy. Yeah, it could it could get pretty damn cold. Um, well, I'm sorry, minus uh, 21 Fahrenheit. Sorry. Um, so now we're going to catch up all the way to, um, the time of peacetime world war two. So this is where our story is going to first take place. Um, so, uh, again, uh, as we talked about in prior cases, you know, talking about either what happened in Vietnam or world war two, um, it was sort of like when these servicemen came back to civilian life. And they had PTSD, which wasn't a thing back then. Um, people were like, hey, man, just toughen up, stupid. You know what I mean? Like, like take some aspirin for them headaches or those those violent, outrageous, uh, you know, personality traits that you've all of a sudden inherited because of all the things you've seen and, and gone through. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> um, that was the case back then. Like, there was no therapy. There was no um, outreach centers for these um, veterans. But so they came back. Uh, nearly 20,000 of the residents uh, returned uh, to Texarkana area um, after uh, World War II. And that's lucking out compared to how many people didn't come back or came back in body bags. Um, so the, the, the crime started to go up because some of these guys weren't getting jobs. Um, there was uh, a lot of issues with uh, loitering. And, um, you know, stolen cars, uh, just, and, and then drugs in general. Like, there was an outbreak of uh, taking, um, what was it called? Uh, when, when you, um, not sedatives, but when, when, you, when you get like a, uh, um, a real like bad injury. Killers? Huh? The painkillers? Painkillers or, or um, those things you inject yourselves with when, when you're trying to numb yourself out. Oh, um, um dang they use that on me dang i'm drawing a blank yeah they were using that after the wartime area i don't know why i'm blanking i should have wrote that down but um but either way it was like a narcotic so a lot of a lot of guys morphine morphine yes there you go they were using morphine thank you thank you gotcha yeah (laughs) but uh texarkana residents like to ignore the fact that they had troubles so there was um they they tried to forget the past too because in the 30s prior to the war there was a situation where Texarkana got um, national news after a white woman accused a black man of kidnapping and uh, the man wasn't even processed or investigated and the citizens raided the jail the cops looked the other way and hung the man and he wound up being innocent and nothing happened to the woman so that's, Whoa, they hung him? They hung him, yeah. So Did nothing happened to her for doing that? Correct. What the hell? Another Emmett Till case. Exactly. Emmett Till, look that up. I know um you brought that up a couple times. That's another case that will enrage you. That's uh that's a oh, tough yeah. one right there. Mm-hmm. Um but because of that prior to the guys coming back in world war two times, there was a lot of racial tensions in the area because it was a pretty even uh, mix of black and white in the, in those neighborhoods in Texarkana at the time. 
So there was a a bit of um, segregation at times, even in that in in post World War II. <clears throat> so you had a lot of issues there, and again, most of the town folks like to just look the other way. And you didn't have a big bad police force, and we'll get into this. There, you had an understaffed police force that really weren't uh, up to the standards of trying to, um, you know, uh, police an area that that was now getting high crime and then also having to deal with racial tensions because black people at that time didn't, you know, uh, trust the police. You know, some see some people like to say, well, we don't trust the police now, but imagine not trusting the police back then when it was all one race and no police cameras, no, uh, you know, they weren't able to track where these police are, are doing or what happened. So, I mean, there's no cell phones. So, I mean, imagine trying to trust them in the 40s. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. And I, I mean, I'm one of these guys that's against police at all. You know, you know where I stand with that. But in this case, you got to take the side <laughs> of the people. We know where you stand with a lot of things. Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not that outspoken, am I? Dip it, Todd. (laughs) Let it be known, sir. Yes, I did. (laughs) Okay, so um, let's get into some people real quick here. Um, So we're going to catch up with some with with a couple here. Uh, We're going to we're going to catch up now with uh, two young adults. Well, one adult uh, and one that's a little bit younger. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Mary Jean Larry, um, who is 19 year old. Or, mm-hmm. and, uh, let's see, Mary had been married at 16 years old. Dang. Wow. Yeah, she had been married at 16 in Texas. So Wait, what year was this? This was uh, prior. This is uh, 1946. So she was married in 1943. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So. <clears throat> she was uh, 19 at the time, 16 when she got married. Her husband uh, all of a sudden um, wanted nothing to do with her at, at, in, earlier that year in 1946 in January. So he left her. And uh, she was quick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, in late 1945. So a couple months later, um, she had a friend who had a crush on her. Now that she's 19 by the name of Jim Hollis, who was 26 years old. And he finally came up to her on February 22nd and said in 1946, uh, you want to go out for a, you know, a dinner and a movie. And, uh, so she said, yes. And, uh, the two, the two went out to eat. Everything was going good. They were googly eyed at each other and, uh, they had dinner. They caught a movie. And then, <clears throat> like people did in Texarkana back then, or you would do in those type of areas, you'd go to a, like a lover's lane or a just an area to make out and see if you can get to second or third and hopefully score, you know? <laughs> hopefully hit the base. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, the two were out there laughing and joking, having a great time. Um Jim got out of the car because he was like, oh, my gosh, you could see the stars. It looks so beautiful, um, you know, and she was blushing at him and like, oh, my gosh, you know, because they were feeling it and, it. and he was getting close to sealing the deal, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, here's where everything changes. A man came out of the bushes just out of because, again, they're out in the middle of nowhere. This mm-hmm. guy comes out 
with a flashlight. And if you remember Christopher Nolan's Batman, the Scarecrow character. Mm-hmm. So he had like a white, almost like a, not like a white, but it was like a um, potato sack almost, but not as mm-hmm. dark. It was sort of like a cream color. And he had it over his head with just the holes poking out. So at first they probably thought it was a KKK dude, but it wasn't, you know, the whole robe. It was just over his head. He had a flashlight and a gun in the other hand. Uh-oh. Yeah. <clears throat> and he comes up to both of them and he's he's literally like, you, points at Jim, take off your uh, pants, you know, and take off your underwear. And the, the guy, you know, Jim starts to laugh because he's like, are you serious, bro? Like, like, you know, this has got to be a joke. You know, he looks over at Mary like this is is this one of your friends? <clears throat> and all of a sudden, as Jim starts, you know, to realize he's cocking the gun, he starts to pull down his pants and pull down his underwear. And he looks over at Mary to tell her to run. And all of a sudden he starts getting beaten over the head with the butt of the gun. Mm. And so he's, he hits the floor and the perpetrator is just hitting him repeatedly with a gun. So Mary goes to her wallet and says, here, just take the money here. And almost like in a cocky, arrogant voice, he's like, don't patronize me. And he hits her and throws her to the ground. Dang. And so he backhands her as she tries to get up, knocking her to the ground again. She like knocks out for a second. And then as she's starting to come to, she, she starts to stand to her feet and he's just kicking the crap out of Jim, like kicking him in the ribs, still punching him with a gun. And she starts to run and she's running down the, the, the dark, you know, Uh, back road and she sees a car and she gets to the car and she's thinking okay I I, 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 got you know she's getting close to the car let me alert these people because the headlights are on you know like maybe I can get in the car and we can go get help and when she gets to the car she realizes it's the dude's car Mm. there's no so he caught up to her there's nobody there no there's nobody there because that was his car she was thinking there was someone else in the car Mm. yeah and so like her heart sank and so he comes over to her and he kind of just starts laughing and he just takes one big um what do you call it um swing with the butt of the gun and all she remembers is the blood pouring down her face and her hitting the floor and he decides to then get in the car and take off, but not before listener discretion is advised. Oh no! He violates her with a gun multiple times. With the gun. With the gun. Ew. Yeah. Dang. Does she live? Well, here's what happened. Um, fortunately there was a farmer that was coming early uh, or checking on his livestock and he was able to pull up to the area where he found uh, her 
and uh, he, uh, he took her to the farmhouse. They called police and she thought Jim was dead, um, but they, they were able to get out there. And again, this is out in rural Texarkana. So it took them some time to get to poor Jim, but they got to Jim. His skull was broken and he had uh, numerous uh, wounds and cracked ribs. Somehow he survived. Dang. So he made it. So he was beating him with the intention of killing him. Correct. Correct. And, um... <clears throat> Wait, I'm confused, though. Why he make him pull his pants down? Well, th- there'll be a, there'll be a uh, explanation for that later. But that's... <laughs> that's... There, there, is, there is something, a rhyme to that reason. But, um... The problem was... The, the local police were asking both of them because it took four days for Jim to come out of the coma. And when he came out of the coma, um, they had asked Mary, um, what was the, you know, what race was the, the, the man, you know, that was beating you at first, she said it was a black man. And then he came out of the coma and said it was a white man. And so they were looking at each other because for four days, guys, they did not investigate this thinking that it was a black man because if it was a black man, the racial tensions were already through the roof. And, you know, what if it wasn't? What if they made a mistake? What if they start snooping around and they could have a full-blown riot? It was like that close to being problems. So they actually sat on it. And once they... Once they were like, hey, are you sure he's not a black guy? And Jim's like, yeah, I think he's white. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, boy, I thought we were in trouble there. Hey, Johnson, we're looking for a white guy. They were like, whew. Yeah, exactly. They're all like, that girl don't know what she's talking about. Even though I have a feeling it might, it might be a black guy. Well, we'll see. We'll see. But um how would they not notice though? I mean, was he all completely covered or just his head? I mean it's dark and he's got his you know potato sack on. He probably got gloves and stuff. So. <laughs> he, that he, so funny his potato sack on. They did they did mention he did have gloves, so there wasn't much to look at, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. yeah. So the police did take a sigh of relief um with that one. But um the police would go this way though they would accuse Mary's ex-husband of being the guy even mm. though even though the ex-husband was literally in a different state they were like <laughs> i think he came down here he floated from whatever alien <laughs> ship came down and he beat the crap out of him and then he left that sounds about right <laughs> yeah. close the case case closed yeah. so they accused him without even having any proof pretty the much man was in another state <laughs> and remember remember this is the 40s where you could bring someone in and you know how you can't you know if they say man i don't want to talk to you guys i want to talk to my lawyer it's like in those t- kind of towns they're still slapping fools in the interrogation mm-hmm. room you know mm-hmm. <laughs> they're still threatening their parents or whoever has a, a you know a record that they could use against them they're, they're doing anything they can at this point so they're they're giving her ex-husband all kinds of crap right here damn yeah so 
once he finally clears himself a week later, the press, they don't have much to talk about. So they just said, hey, a, a phantom is coming out there at night. Just be careful. They haven't caught the guy who did this to the two people. <clears throat> so um, they would. See, that's why you don't go out to isolated places in the middle of the night just to get freaky. Yeah, it sometimes doesn't work, right? Um, you could have other weirder people out there. Yep. Um, but Mary would Mary would go on to tell the newspapers when they interviewed her that um, that although the police thought this was an inside job, you know, being the husband and everything else like that, um, she said that this is some crazy guy that's going to do this again. And the mm. police were just like, nope, nope, case closed, we got him. But we just ha we can't convict him yet. But we got him, and unfortunately, they were wrong. They of were, course. yeah, they were wrong. Um, unfortunately, too, for Jim and Mary, although they were falling for each other, this incident would tear them apart. But they would stay in contact as Jim would move to Louisiana and Mary would go to Oklahoma. They were just mm -hmm. out of there. They were done. I mean, I don't blame them. I would leave, too. <laughs> yep. Yep. So <clears throat> that was in February. Now we're going to talk about March 23rd, 1946. So 29-year-old Richard Griffin and 17-year-old Pauline Moore were doing the exact same thing. So 29 and 17. That's yeah. a couple. 29 <laughs> and 17. That don't Correct. add up, right? That don't equal 18. <laughs> yeah. 12 yeah. years older. 12 years older. And yeah, I mean, that could be, that could be your, uh, what, your niece, you know? I mean, technically mm -hmm. that could be your dad. Not really, unless he had a baby at 12. Yeah. I've heard of kids having a baby at nine. Oof. Well, those kids are screwed. <laughs> mm -hmm. That could definitely be, you know, her teacher. Yeah, that's more of like a teacher student like relationship mm -hmm. that's gross yep so. i mean it wouldn't be gross if he was way older and she's already a grown woman but being that she's a minor and he's that much older that's disgusting that reminds he, me of somebody i know he's probably <laughs> he's probably like well she's almost 18 yeah exactly. good enough for me <laughs> we'll see back then again you could get married in texas at 16 so he's probably like well she's old enough <laughs> that's insane yeah okay yeah so um the two the two had a similar type date night they had the same type hanky panky intentions and um <clears throat> they went out in the not in the same area as jim and mary had did but they went into an, another area that was alone dark and obviously an area where nobody can freaking hear you Mm. But uh, the Phantom would make his second appearance. And much like the first time, he came out and said, pull down your pants and, and pull down your underwear. But before he could even get his underwear down when the two were in the car, because the Phantom came up alongside the car and flashed mm. the gun and the flashlight at the at the two before he could do anything um 
the phantom blew the guy away in the <gasps> head. Shot him twice. Dang. With Are you girl- serious? Oh, yeah. And with the girl still screaming, probably with brain matter all over her in oh. the passenger seat, <clears throat> he's pulling her out of the car. And he pulls her out towards the side of the car and begins to sexually assault her, both you know, with himself and with the, the gun. What's, what's with him with this gun? I mean, he could accidentally slip and pull the trigger and boom. Yep. And then he would execute her as well. <clears throat> so then the next morning, it is March 24th, and there's a passer going down Route 67, which is the route that the two couple were pulled off on in the little ditch mm-hmm. area. Um, he saw a car with two people in it, and he was wondering if they were sleeping. But when he came up to the window, he saw nothing but blood and brain matter all over the car, plus drag marks from outside the car, a pool of blood, and then drag marks back into the car. So he put the woman's body back in the car. So at this time, the police were called. But small town Texarkana, what do you think happened? No leads, no trails, no evidence, no case. Gabby? Damn. I'm gonna guess these cops were like it's the same stupid couple. No. <clears throat> what happened was the passerby who found the bodies did not call the police right away. Oh wow. He called his neighbors. In which, <laughs> in which his neighbors were like, Oh man, I gotta come down there and see what's going on. And they all came down. And then instead of calling the police, they proceeded to call the newspapers. And then they're like, oh, man, we got a story. We got to walk around and take pictures. Then they called the police. Well, here we go. So by the time, <laughs> but this is sad. By the time the police got there, any kind everybody of, knows. Yeah, everybody knows. People are putting their hands all over the car. Mm-hmm. They pushed it out of the ditch it was in. Oh my god. They've trampled all over any kind of shoe prints and blood mm. evidence outside the mm. 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 Yep. Talk about morons. That is very <laughs> very redneck thing to do. Very much so. <laughs> so get us canceled. I'm just saying, I, I, I it's all love, but man, that's something they're gonna be like, no, it ain't. Just don't do that. Yep. And so the, the, the police actually cheated right here because what they did was they they assumed the assailant went back into Arkansas. So they said, okay, he traveled past state lines. So technically we can get the FBI involved because we're too incompetent to investigate this. <laughs> so <laughs> once they were able to find out that, yes, they got the FBI involved, the Texas Rangers not wanting to be outdone we're like, wait a minute, this is our jurisdiction, this is Texas, you know, when you have a problem, we're basically the state's FBI, we want to take control of this case. We the law. Yeah, so now you got the Texas Rangers. With the law. 
you got the Texas Rangers, the FBI, and the local towns police now all fighting for jurisdiction. And, and Billy Bob and all them other. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Riding in on horses and everything. It's the Billy Bob. It's got to be a Billy Bob somewhere. <laughs> It's my it's my brother Bob. I'm Bob. His brother Bob. Just goes down. Um, yeah. So these these guys were all now fighting with each other, and uh, the Texas Rangers and the FBI weren't wanting to work with each other. So <clears throat> although it's the same case, they are all now working the case in different ways. So that's not exactly helping things out. Yeah, I've heard these Texas Rangers are very uptight. They're very uptight, but they're thorough. They're good. They but... are, but they don't like like working with others. Exactly. Exactly. Much less FBI. I mean, if you I put it like this, if you're good at what you do, why work with others? They might get your right that they do their job. They are from there. They know what to do and having other people involved in their land is offensive to them. Yeah, they, they take they take it to heart when you commit um, felonies or, or murders in their in their land, like she said. Absolutely. Wasn't there a TV show, Texas Ranger? I don't know. Yeah, Walker, Texas Ranger. Walker, Texas Ranger. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Um, but the FBI, surprisingly, was a little bit slow in this case. Uh, usually they were one of the first ones, along with the Texas Rangers, to have ballistics. And they would actually start getting into... Um, real forensics you know way before dna uh so one of the texas rangers came over and was like you know what this kind of is like the other um you know shooting or 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 you know the the gun like i want to see if it matches the gun that was used in in the other beatings you know because the bullets and then the, the cops are like but the bullets weren't fired he's like yeah but does you know that caliber gun that hit him, you know, like we, we kind of know what kind it is by what they described the gun as, you know, so it may, you mm -hmm. know, and they wanted to get the ballistics too, to see if it was the same kind of caliber. And they, um, they went, they went out to, to, uh, re retreat because they were going to bury the police were, were, and, and the undertaker were going to bury these bodies without taking the bullets out of their head. And, uh, the, the what? Was Paul Bearer there as well? When you said Undertaker, I was waiting for it. <laughs> no, 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 Paul Bearer in this one. This way before his time. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, he they were able to get the bullets out finally and to hold on to those to see if it happened again. And they were able to realize that it was a 32 caliber Colt pistol. So, a very Ooh. distinctive gun. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. So, uh, they held on to that. Um, they interviewed almost a hundred people and, um, and they tried to look up guys who had random acts of violence and stuff like that. And they just could not find anyone that matched who they were looking for. And so they, you know, they, they keep, um, they keep, uh, you know, investigating. And then Mary Jean, the first one that was beaten a couple months prior, heard about it and remembered the voice of the assailant and she called the cops again and said that you know because she's having nightmares of being raped you know and, and also assaulted and um she said that that 
the man that was found or the young man that was found dead with his pants down, that's it's got to be the same guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the police pretty much said, "Ah, you don't know what you're talking about, you women. Well, you can't even vote right now. Well, you you, you want us to listen to some women? <laughs> I don't <laughs> think so." And so they just they laughed it well, off. They just disregarded whatever she had to say. Yes. Mm. Yet yes. she was the victim. Okay. Yep. And remember, they're they're now thinking, Buttholes. you know, because they they still think it's her husband, and they now they're thinking it's an inside job, like she wanted her new boyfriend killed, which makes no sense. Mm-hmm. So they're not listening to a damn thing she's saying, and again and she now said, it's happened again. That should be proof enough that it was nothing personal. Yeah, and she's telling them straight up, like it's gonna happen again. Like you need to watch out for this. <sighs> Do you think they listen? Of course of not. Of course not. It was a woman talking to them. Absolutely. So now we have another date. Uh oh. Yeah. And this is where the um, because this is a listener request. I forgot who who asked us to do this. So in the comments, hopefully, if you remember, um, like like let us know because we I I totally forgot who uh, suggested this one. I put this one on the list of mine to do, but um, it's the Texarkana Moonlight Murders. That's what this is going to be called now. Moving on, the newspapers nicknamed the Phantom Texarkana Moonlight Murders. Because it all happens mm-hmm. on nights where the moon's out and lovers go out to, uh, or people are out when they should be in. So, um, this is April 13th, 1946. Betty Jo Booker. Um, she was a saxophonist. Um, she was in the school band as well. Um, she was uh, at the age of 15 and was in the, the band that was uh, practicing when she had a busy night. She's like, hey, you know what? Um, um, after we jam here, I'm going to go to my friend's house. We're going to have a sleepover. And then uh, my boyfriend, shh, don't tell your mom, um, he's going to come over and we're going to go hang out afterwards, you know? So teenager stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, the boyfriend comes over, um, you know, they, they sneak out and they, they go into, you know, they get into his car and, and uh, you know, uh, they're ready to... Uh, uh, you know, have a night by themselves, but <clears throat> the phantom comes out of nowhere. And as they are, you know, in a secluded area, he kidnaps both of them. Mm. And <clears throat> this is where, um, uh, unfortunately, they can't find Betty Joe. She's missing. He's missing. And now the police are, are while the FBI is in town, Texas Rangers are in town. They're like, wait a minute, we got a missing um, boyfriend and girlfriend, teenagers. Uh, where the hell are they? And so mm-hmm. now there's a massive, you know, they're looking for hunt. Yeah, they're looking for these guys. And uh, it's uh, Paul. Uh, Paul was the boyfriend, and. Um, he was uh unfortunately when the phantom took both of these the the young the young couple he tied up the girl betty joe and he took paul out of the car and he dragged him into this like cornfield area and he shot him a couple times in the head and in the chest 
and then he gets back into you know walks up the you know walks out of the field gets into the car and drives off with Betty um the problem is um Paul wasn't dead oh wow and with a 32 I mean that's taking two pretty high caliber bullets straight up you know and and the sad thing for him is he crawled quite a distance on his hands and knees to get to the road to try to flag somebody down but unfortunately at the time and night he was out there was just nobody out there and he died in his pool of blood on the side of the road yeah hey man he was a fighter man he you know he tried yeah he tried and they and they and um so he he crawled a good they said 40 to 50 yards mm. to get to the to get to the road and someone didn't find him till morning time mm. so when the police got wind of this they went out there they were investigating the, the the you know all three agencies were out there and when they would be able to relieve uh when they found one of the shells it was a 32 so they knew now yeah they have a serial killer and the Texas Rangers are like, oh, crap. You know, like, now we have to find where Betty Joe's at. And uh, they went all out looking for her. And unfortunately, they found her in some uh, bushes about a mile away. She looked like she was sleeping, but she, too, was shot in the head and in the chest. And she was sexually violated as well. Mm. So... That uh, listen to the first girl now. Yeah, now now they have to take this one seriously. And once the newspapers got a hold of it, the Moonlight Murders were front page all over the area, and they had now put out a curfew for everybody. Like if it's past eight o'clock, you got to stay inside. You got to have a damn good reason to be out. Now you had extra FBI agents, you had te- extra Texas Rangers, more police were coming in, and they were patrolling out at night. Uh, you were basically arrested if you were trying to sneak out and do a lover's lane type deal. Here's my thing. Good. No, that's a good thing. Here's my thing. As a resident, why are you even risking getting a little hanky-panky yeah. knowing that there's a serial killer out there? I don't know. Ain't I mean, nothing like, that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not that mac and cheese, right? Oh God! <laughs> that mac and cheese, boy. <laughs> oh God! Stop. <laughs> I know. Uh, was it uh, uh, Jeff from up up north in Seattle? He was like, "Boy, I, I lost it when I heard Matt say mac and cheese." <laughs> He's heard that one before. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> All right, so moving on. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> um, we have another have rebels. What's that? You're always gonna have the rebels. I get it. Somebody but always wants to be stupid and say, "I don't know, follow the rules and do what they want to do." I get it, but you either gotta have a gun or something with you because you you know it's danger out there. It's potential serial killer. Correct. Correct. Unfortunately, you know, two couples lost their lives. Well, there's more to come, unfortunately. Go do it in a car. Why do you have to go to the booties? Just hey, pull up in a parking lot. Somewhere. They want they wanted the cows and horses to witness it. So, (laughs) (laughs) 
They it thought it would be a- foggy anyway. Ain't nobody gonna see. <laughs> yeah, they thought it was gonna be one of those fairy tales where like all the animals start singing it's as they're all smiling. Yeah. Man, fog and butt crack. That's all they're gonna oh. see. <laughs> Keeping a stank inside the car. There you go. Oh dear lord. Um, moving on. Yes, moving on, please. Um, you too would know. <laughs> oh jeez, here we go. I watch a lot of Family Guy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, we have another date. Again? Yep. This is uh, May 3rd, 1946. So, these aren't a cu- this isn't a couple that actually goes out, though. This is a thing. Oh. This, this is a little different. A group of friends. No. This is a 36-year-old Virgil Starks. Uh, he was enjoying listening to the radio uh, because that's what he did in the evening time, uh, reading the newspaper, listening to the radio. And uh, so that would be the equivalent of being on your t- uh, watching a TV and being on your phone at the same time today. Mm-hmm. Um, but nevertheless, he was in his reclining chair. It was a little early in the evening time, around 8 o'clock. Uh, his Wait, wife he's had- home? Yeah, he's home. He's in his oh. home. Yeah. And he's he's just kicking it, right? And then his wife, she's went to bed a little early because she had a bit of a headache. And so, mm-hmm. like, she just, you know, she took whatever aspirin or there. And um, all of a sudden, you know, as she went to bed, she was barely asleep for about 10, 15 minutes. And she hears a big boom. And she's like, the hell? And then she hears a thump. And so she's Ooh. like, oh, man, did Virgil fall or something so she gets up she's 35 years old you know it's not like they're 80s or something but they're in their mid 30s and katie his wife now wakes up and she she starts to walk towards the the front room uh that where her husband you know is listening to the radio it's still on and she sees him on the floor and bleeding from the head and as she looks up there's a broken glass where the window's at and a man with a, you know, potato sack or covering over his head with a gun pointed right at her. Mm. And she pull, he pulls the trigger and it, as she turns around, it strikes her in the back of the head. Yeah. And it, she, as, and and he doesn't just pull the trigger once he pulls it twice. So it Mm. hits her in the back of the head. Then the other one travels through the side of her neck and th- and uh, or actually the side of uh, the back of her uh, lower part of her head, and it goes through her jaw and out her mouth as it shatters oh. numerous teeth. Ooh, So the amount of blood that is now flowing from her head and jaw is just I can't imagine. And so she hits the floor, still conscious. And he's now, she can hear the perpetrator running around the side of the house and is likely going to try to come through the back. So as she realizes it's now or never, she gets up and she runs out the front door. Oh, as wow. A, as another shot barely misses her. And she's running down the street. She can't scream. Her mouth is just, she's trying to hold her mouth together. Oh. oh man and she's running down the street she's not even holding her head because she's trying to hold her mouth together 
So she's bleeding out the back of her head and she's, you know, trying to keep the blood and everything together in her hand as she's running down a dark road to the next house, which is probably a couple hundred yards away. Mm. But she makes it to the the um, neighbor's house, which the neighbor sees her right away, scoops her up in the car and rushes her to the hospital where FBI and Texas Rangers are uh, alarmed to hear what has happened. They then get out to the house to where they find her husband dead on the floor. The house is a little bit ransacked, but they find a flashlight, which does not belong to the couple, which is. Mm. Yeah. So that's the best they had is the, um, the flashlight. Mm -hmm. And so the case goes cold after this. What? Yeah, the case goes cold because there are no um, any more situations. People are really freaked out now because they're like, hey, we stayed home and this still happened. Mm. And one of the Texas Rangers, to his credit, would start looking into Grand Theft Auto cases because there was an awful lot of them. And especially there was two per night on the night when there was a shooting like someone had stolen a car to do he felt to do the crime and then mm-hmm. left the car and stole another one to get away mm-hmm. and the other the local law enforcement was like hey you're just barking up the wrong tree if you wanted to work in auto theft you should have went to auto theft <laughs> jim this guy's a moron you know what i mean like they're making fun of the guy and the texas rangers like i'm just doing my job like i have a i have a hunch you know, he's actually mm-hmm. taking his job seriously. <laughs> Local law enforcement like, well, I can't solve anything. Can you? Nope. All right. Let's have a donut. All right. <laughs> How did I know you were going to say that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's what, just what they were doing. I mean, these, these cops were incompetent and the Texas Rangers and the FBI were trying to work the case at different angles, but it seemed like the Texas Rangers were onto something um, even though there wasn't any attacks and they were just looking to try to get a pattern together. So there, let me just say this. There are a lot of theories to this day on, and podcasts and books about who possibly did this. Really? Yes. You're telling me it wasn't solved? No. What? No, not not officially. No. Mm-mm. But we have but the only suspect that looks good for it, we'll get into his thing right here as we finish up. And that is that is a man here by the name of Yule Sweeney. Yule Sweeney? <laughs> what yeah. the Y U L E Sweeney. So okay, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about Sweeney. Uh, he grew up in Cleveland County, Arkansas, the son of a Baptist minister. Um, he was a repeat offender, and he stole cars religiously, and would sell the parts. Um, Sweeney had just gotten married to Peggy, his wife, a couple days before the last attack of Virgil and his wife, Katie. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he was picked up later in the year in July of 1947 as he was trying to sell a car, a stolen car, to a car dealership. Mm. One of the detectives got wind of this and took it upon himself to go after uh, Sweeney. And the Texas Rangers also joined in because they were working that part of the case. Uh, Sweeney at the time was trying to flee Texarkana on a Greyhound bus when a detective got a tip that he was at the bus station chased him in the terminal before other police officers were able to get to him. So he was arrested. And usually when people are starting to freak out like this, they're hiding something. And, and we've done a couple cases to where it's like, oh man, this guy's guilty of sin. And when he was picked up for car theft, he was quoted as muttering to himself and out loud. I don't, I, sh- I knew I shouldn't have went to the bus station. I don't want to go to the electric chair. I don't want to die. Hmm. Sounds very suspicious to me. Yeah, do auto theft guys talk about getting electrocuted? No. <laughs> no, they do not. Exactly. And we all know Texas likes to kill their inmates, but, I mean, they don't kill them for carjacking. That part. No, I agree with Texas killing them. Of course. You're all um, Texas congressman. Can you add cutting off wangs as an execution? Yep. <laughs> be like, that was my idea. Yeah. You're going to be like, Gabby for uh, assistant uh, district attorney. Uh, the, the, what is it? The slogan is off with the wang. <laughs> <laughs> off with their wangs. Vote for Gabby. Yeah. If you like taking wangs in criminal cases, <laughs> vote for Gabby. Well, not all criminal cases, just rapists and disgusting bastards. There you go. There you Pedophiles, go. especially. Serial killers. Yep. And this guy, well, I'm going to leave you guys to judge this guy. So as I give you a little bit of the gist of him. His name says it all. Yep. <laughs> no, I'm but, joking. I'm joking. <laughs> But when he got to when he got to the jail cell, he stopped talking. So the whole mm-hmm. ride over, he was like, "I don't want to die. I don't want to die." Um, but as a preteen, he would get a tattoo of a snake going through a skull that says "Born to Raise Hell." Oh well, there um, you have it. Yep. Um, he he was at a young age getting involved with a lot of petty theft. Um, at the age of twenty one, um, in nineteen forty one, he began to steal cars. He served five years after being arrested uh, for auto theft in 1941, but he was on probation, got arrested again for robbery and assault. He was uh, beginning to get a violent. Um, also, let's see, he got another five years, but was just released early again. So two five-year sentences, and he was out um, in less than three years. Um, he was yeah, released. Yeah, keep letting him loose. Yeah, he... He was arrested again and released at the end of the year, close to that 1945, before the first attacks started to happen. Um, Hmm. And, like, he met Peggy in a police station um, as she was arrested for public intoxication. And he was actually dating another girl at the time, but he met her in the police station. The two started rapping, and before you know it, they got into a pretty good relationship. So, and she was one of those... It was one of those relationships where Sweeney would say, you know, he, she or Peggy would have to basically do whatever he said. So if he's like, I want Chinese tonight, they had to eat Chinese. 
um, I want you wearing that. I don't want you wearing that dress. You wear something more conservative. She'd be like, all right. So she never had a mind of her own. Yeah. So Mm. this guy was very manipulative and very controlling. And one time after they had gotten together, they went to a bar. Peggy said that this guy was rubbing up on her at the bar and insinuated that he wanted to do something with her. So Sweeney took waited for him to come out the bar, the guy, without even, you know, she could have just been saying that, but without any, you know, that's how much rage he had. He beat the crap out of him, like as far as like knocking him to the ground. He tied him up, took him out to a remote area, and then as he's tied up, told Peggy to beat him with a chain. Oh. Which she did. Mm. So <laughs> that was their relationship. Tied him up, took him to the boonies to beat him. Hmm. Yep. Sounds like a similar MO. There's that. Okay. So, so in 19, um, 1946, uh, June 28th, um, a couple months after the, you know, Peggy and him kind of broke up or kind of separated, they're still married. Um, she was arrested uh, for for car theft as well, and um, she she was um, unfortunately not read her Miranda rights at the time. Um, but she started to tell police about you know wanting to save her t- her time in jail, starting to tell the cops that she went with him on those nights to kill those people what yes and um she started to actually um when they were interrogating her give out details that only the killer would know Mm -hmm. and she even was in the police cars going to and showing them where they had put the bodies so she knew of the crime scenes and she the police were like oh my god you know we got this guy you know like 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 she's she's turning state witness everything was working uh the the right way and they were they were like oh my god dude we we we've got her you know we we we've got her we got him uh she's putting herself there as being one of the ones that either held the women or or kept them from running and she was also admitting that she stole some of the things and so they're they're both being put there you know and so sweeney's already in jail for auto theft at this time and assault but now you know he's likely going to get the electric chair they're going to solve this case and everything's over right book them dano of course we know that's not what happened correct correct and you know what killed the whole situation what not the whole Miranda rights, not any of that other stuff. <sighs> they should have just took her plea deal or, or gave her a plea deal and took her she, testimony. Because, she killed herself. No, the moment that they, the detectives were like, hey, I think you're more guilty than you're saying you are, and we're not going to let you off the hook. That's where they made the mistake. Mm. They should have just took the shooter, the main rapist, the killer, everything, and put him away and if you have to watch her for the rest of her life fine but she she turned witness you convicted him but because they wanted to convict her too yes because they wanted to convict her 
her lawyer said, oh, really? You do know that you're married to him and you don't have to testify against him. So she shut down completely. Wow. So all the evidence or all the testimony was now for nothing. Wow. Because they can't prove it now. Yep. Because she was the only other one there as far as, you know, she recanted all her statements. She said, I was lying. So then what happens? So, yeah, so what happens? He, he walks away? No. Texas law enforcement, uh, they, they decided to... Uh, they decided to use a loophole and and what they did was it's called the habitual offender act and in texas if you're continually making the same you know you're getting out you're violating parole you're making the same um dumb decisions you're not looking to uh rehabilitate and you've been arrested over and over and, and broken probation over and over which yule did well that which which the law isn't in effect anymore but back then it was um they could slap a life sentence on you and say that you're basically a person that's never going to be rehabilitated and it's in the best interest of the texas citizen that you're in jail so So he got life he got life that's it well you think the story's over oh no oh lord it keeps happening. Yes. Um, it's just about over, though. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> he was... Um, he went to jail, obviously. <clears throat> but when he was going to court, he thought that the smart thing for him to do was to represent himself. And obviously, he got pounded by the state's lawyers, and he got that life term, and in February of 1947 he went to jail but in 1973 he went he filed a appeal saying that well um, I was never told the dangers of properly um, you know or I wasn't properly advised on the dangers of representing myself and I deserve a fair trial so he was given a retrial in 1974 and after all that in 1975 he was released what yes he was released in 1975 what so how old is he at that point uh let's see at that point uh it is 26 years so he's in it he's in his late 40s at this time wow so the moron though continued to go back to Texarkana and talk to locals and sort of kind of taunt people and also try to get a book and a movie made about his life. Mm. But when that wouldn't work, Moron decided to pass counterfeit checks and was caught on federal charges and given another life sentence. And then he would... uh but he would pass away at the age of 76 in 1993 um, because he had all the, uh, what was it called, the smoking over the years had given him emphysema. Mm-hmm. And he got lung cancer and died at the age of, actually, age of 77 in 1994. So he spent uh, the last year in a modified prison slash hospice. But mm. 
but the story the moral of the story is i mean he still did the time but he was never convicted so the moonlight murders are still unsolved because they weren't able to fully prove it's him but do you guys believe it was really him come on man <laughs> i mean if he was a repeating offender and he was doing things that had to do with that too and the girl said everything even things that nobody else knew then yeah if it walks like a duck talks like a duck <laughs> it's, it's a duck it's a rabbit <laughs> <laughs> yes he's the killer yeah and and she interesting enough i i believe she's passed on but she wound up living a quiet life after that so she wasn't like him continually getting into trouble but i do think he's good for it i think he's i mean uh, it's obvious i mean she came so up when with... he was already in jail there was no more murders yeah none of those murders ever took place again after makes sense like like the whole car theft thing that the Texas Rangers were looking into, mm-hmm. it made sense too. I mean, yeah, that was a good, that was a smart move. Yeah, I mean, they literally closed the case without closing it. They just had some goof ups. If it wasn't for those aggressive detectives that wanted her to to go down for it, like a Bonnie and Clyde type thing, if they would have just mm-hmm. said, okay, let's just get the main guy, you know, if this is what it takes to get the main guy, let's get the main guy. But agree. Nope. I I totally agree. Yeah, there's that been bothers me when cases are not solved and those prospect suspects die or something happens and you will never know. Yeah, I mean the the best thing is to get is to get 100% clarity. You know how they're solving all these cases years later that were unsolved? You know, even if the guy's dead, you know, like I just saw one the other day where um, they finally found out who solved. It was like a 46-year-old case that killed a teenager, but it was a guy who died in prison like 10 uh-huh. years ago for rape. So he was already in jail, but at least they know now, like the surviving family members know who did it, you know. Yeah. So it's a shame. I don't, I don't, they don't have any DNA evidence that can link him. You know, all, obviously, all that stuff's been destroyed, or it was never collected. So you you don't have that to fall back on. But but damn, I mean, he he sounds good for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If they had just swabbed the girls and saved it. Mm-hmm. Yep. They tried to eat the whole cake instead of slicing the piece. Yep. I mean, sometimes I mean you <sighs> take down the big fish. <laughs> You She's got, all like that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I was just like just moving saying. on. Yeah, I'm just saying, like instead of you know, you're trying to put all of them together and throw the whole book, just cut that piece off. She's that piece of the cake. Okay, just cut that away, and then there you go. There's the rest of it. Finish him off. You get yeah. Me? No, I get you. I get you. It's just, it's just a shame too, because I mean, like again, <clears throat> all those. <laughs> all those people like at least especially for Betty Joe and 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 the young kid uh, her boyfriend you know those guys those kids were young when they passed and so their parents lived a lifetime without knowing what happened you know yeah their siblings and everybody i mean 
you can assume it was him, but you, you want that clarity. You you want to make sure it was 100% him. Because, I mean, the way that he acted like a dick afterwards, it's like, it had to have been him. It had to have been. And then, like you said, nobody gets, you know, arrested for Grand Theft Auto and say, I don't want to die. I don't want to go in an electric chair. Come on, bro. Yeah, you know you got lives on you. Yeah. Yeah, because he was, what I forgot to say, too, is when he got picked up, he was assuming they were getting him for the murders. You mm. know what I mean? Like, you know, they, they weren't, th- you know, they didn't know it was, uh, you know, he didn't know they were getting him for Grand Theft Auto only. So it's like, <laughs> he was kind of screwing it up. Without this confession. Yeah. Well, so wait, was he a white guy or a black guy? He was a white guy. Well, I mean, I, I figured with the name, but it just wasn't yeah. confirmed. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I don't know how many uh, other black Yules, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's Yule Brenna, but... <laughs> Not Sweeney. <laughs> Sweeney was the giveaway right there. Sweeney Todd. That's like <laughs> that's like my uh, grandma. You know, her name is, you know, obviously it's Lena, but uh, like like we called her Lena, but her real name was Hildegard. So you're not going to find a black nope. Hildegard anywhere, right? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find Brumhilda. Yeah. Hildegard. Yeah, but wow. uh, but yeah, man, that's the that's the case of the Texarkana Moonlight Murders. Interesting, interesting. He should have he should have been convicted. He should have been convicted and uh, been in that electric chair. I mean, I'm not cut off his wing before he died. I'm not condoning more violence, but if you do violent things, you deserve what comes to you. And here's here's an interesting fact too. Um, before pre nineteen sixty five, before mm-hmm. you had more appeals process, because the appeals process is still the fastest in America, in Texas. So meaning meaning you can file your appeals back to back to back, um, but they do. I mean you you can be executed real soon in Texas. You know it's like mm-hmm. whereas whereas California when they still did it, it was like twenty years you had of appeals. You know, you could stretch it out on death row, but like in Texas, I think the max is still like seven years or less. And back then, before 1965, I mean, there's a good chance you wouldn't make a calendar year before getting executed if you were found guilty and sentenced to death. So, yeah, he he was like, man, the clock's ticking on me. (laughs) Dang. Yeah. I still don't understand how people last so long on death row. Why? Like, I want to know why. Why can't you just kill a gajillion of them in one day? <laughs> no, we like, rather seriously. We rather you pay already for their running healthcare. up the electricity with everything else. Why can't you just electrocute a bunch of them in one day? <laughs> Jeez, you're hardcore. I'm serious. Like these people ruin other people's lives and children's lives and rape women and kill their family members. I mean, they do the most gruesome things and they can sit on death row, peace as hell, living a free life for so long. And they might even die before they even execute them. Oh yeah. They're all like, they're all, why, they're all dying on the death row now. Here. Why is that okay? I'm about to say, they, oh I'm sorry. Didn't they just um didn't they just uh, execute somebody not too long ago? Not here. No, they're not here, but I, I saw on um on the news someone just got executed. I can't remember what state it was in. There's about eight to ten 
United States, um, somewhere in the United States, there's about eight to 10 a month executions mm. at least, you know, so, so they, there is the majority of the states still execute their prisoners. Um, <clears throat> the ones that deserve it or, cause for me, it's like, if you've got DNA evidence it, that hasn't, that you know, is not tampered with, it came from the victim and all that other stuff. And you've been, you've been sentenced to death. Well then so be it. Like you might as well not have a death row if you're not going to off them, you know? I agree. Cause I mean, like as time go on, you know, you might, you know, have a guilty conscience of murdering this person because it's like, ah, oh, you know, he probably changed, they probably changed their ways. And, and you might think, well, they, they, you know, they changed. Let's, let's not kill them and stuff like that. Not saying that's not a good thing, but I'm just saying like, if you have, you know, evidence and it's clear cut, you might as well not waste time and just take care of it right then and there. Correct. Correct. You know? I mean, look, the Holocaust happened and innocent people died in the most horrific ways. All these disgusting psychos should just go into a gas chamber, like get a mob of them because well, they're it. all waiting to die and throw them in there. Yep. I don't I just don't understand why they're sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. You just want them off with their wang. Yep, you just want them there. Yeah. Chop their wangs off before you throw them in there, and that's it. Be done. <laughs> yeah, I, I could totally picture you being like off with his wang. Yeah, don't leave the justice system to me because these men are gonna suffer. Yep. And women. And women, yep. They don't have wings, but we'll pretend they do. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, <laughs> yeah, this is uh, the Grinding True Crime <laughs> Podcast. Uh, thank you, Todd, for breaking down that story of the Moonlighter, Yule Sweeney. Mm-hmm. And, um, we're going to be signing off. But before you do, real quick, if you didn't catch us, uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Once again, just type in Grinding True Crimes. Uh, if you want to listen to us on your podcast stream, just go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, Podvine, and Zencaster. And if you're out the U.S., Radio Public, Breaker, Podcast, and Podchaser. Well, with all that being said, this is uh, Granny True Crime. We're getting out of here. This is Maddie Mad along with Gabby Gab. And Todd Fox. And we are signing off. Toodles. Peace. Y'all come back now, you hear? But we ain't going to solve them crimes, are we? <laughs> <laughs>